This episode of the Movie Musical Shakedown is brought to you by the Onstage Blog Podcast Network at onstageblog.com. Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention, please? This is it! Five, six, seven, eight. See what we can do with it. You're gonna make me believe that you belong on that stage. Dancing on that show is my dream. Tommy, can you hear me? And welcome, folks, to another edition of the Movie Musical Shakedown. I'm your host, Chris Peterson, founder of Onstage Blog. Absolutely elated that you're joining us this week for um, what should be a very interesting conversation. Uh, We are watching 1961's Flower Drum Song. Um, It is a Rodgers and Hammerstein classic, I guess you could say it. Uh, It is the second uh, newest, I guess you could say, second most, you know, young of the movies, it, you know, the only one that came out afterwards was Sound of Music, uh, but it, it features an all Asian cast. And as a Korean American, uh, this is something that you know happens rarely in Hollywood. It, it really has only happened three times um, in that I can remember. Uh, it was this, The Joy Luck Club, and Crazy Rich Asians. And uh, you know, with everything going on in the country today, with um, the anti Asian racism and violence and things like that. Um, I thought to myself, what better time to really take a, a moment and, you know, feature a movie musical that puts Asian Americans and Asian Chinese, you know, at the forefront. And uh, while this is not necessarily the best example or the most politically correct example, and oh my God, I did not realize what happens at the end of this movie, which we'll get into, which is really bad, um, you know not just through a 2021 lens, but through, you know, any lens. Um, you know, I felt we, it was it was worthy of sitting down and really talking about because, um, again, it, it is rare. This is the only movie musical uh, that has, that features an all-Asian cast. Very, you, you have to really search to find the white person in this movie, which is, you know, you know, nice. I guess you could say refreshing for this Korean American to see. Um, but there are problems about this film, and we're going to get into all of it. So uh, my wife Nicole is going to join us. Um, she had some really, really great takes um, and some really great thoughts about uh, this film. And um, you know, she's going to break it all down with Nicole's notes, which is quickly becoming a very popular section of this podcast. So I'm really glad that we're doing Nicole's notes. So uh, sit back uh, if you have not seen this movie yet please um watch it because we spoiled the whole thing uh it is not featured necessarily on any streaming networks right now so we rented it off of amazon prime so uh just want to put that out there as well so um sit back relax when we come back nicole's going to be joining us and we're going to break it all down but first as always here is the trailer Miracles, a hundred million miracles, a happy day. For 
For two glorious years, Broadway hugged Flower Drum Song to its bosom. And now it's all here. The fascinating story laid in San Francisco's colorful Chinatown. The irrepressible fun. The lovemaking, tempestuous and tender. The sparkling musical numbers. The music and songs that only Rodgers and Hammerstein could create. Fans and Fanny was leaving her man. Starring that petite, delightful ball of fire, Nancy Kwan, star of Suzy One. Into her gay life, there suddenly comes a rival, a picture bride. Handsome James Shigeta, busy sowing his wild oats. Adorable Miyoshi Umeki, the unwanted picture bride. She's strong as a cow, and just as amiable. Thank you, my father. I love you, Mary. What can we do? I don't know, but I'll think of something. Then nothing's changed. Nothing's changed? You're going to marry her? That's the only thing that's changed. You'll love every moment of this warm, wonderful story. You'll love the songs even more. I float as the clouds on. And we're back, and I'm now joined by Nicole Peterson. Good to see you. Howdy-do, buckaroo. Uh, Howdy-do. Um, <laughs> glad to have you here. We're talking about Flower Drum Song this week. Yes, we are. And um, it was a interesting watch, spread out amongst two days. Yes. Took us a while to get through it um, because I got bored. And I fell asleep. And <laughs> it, it's, I mean, I'm not, I don't want to insult anybody who loves this movie. But if I did meet someone who says, you know what, this is like my jam or my guilty pleasure, I, I have to ask them why. Like, Have if, they seen other movies is the real question. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> I just I just sat through this movie and I got frustrated because, you know, I'm Korean-American. Yes. It's very rare that you get a, a big Hollywood film with an all-Asian cast. So, mm-hmm. like, I should be excited to watch this thing. And yes. yet I'm watching it and I'm like... Ugh. Well, honestly, it seemed like <clears throat> leftover dinner to me. Like the scraps of other movies, the songs left over from other shows put together to make this happen. Mm. And at first I was like, oh, no, 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 Nicole, you're being too critical. But the more I watched it, the more that just became evident to me. Right, right. That's a That's a fair point. And... I, I had trouble with the story. I had trouble keeping up with the story. Like, who's mm-hmm. in love with who? Like, who who wants to end up with, with who now and what now? And so it just, it just, I, there are a lot of things that confused me about this movie. And then, like, the last, like, ten minutes <laughs> oh, of this my. movie, it totally goes off the rails. Yes. I mean, you get this wacky dream sequence about a lazy Sunday morning that, like, I classically say like about these sequences like this is where the drugs kicked in like right. this is the moment where the drugs kicked in and it just is weird and then like the last three minutes is are is, horrifying it's horrifying and we'll get into it but um, for those of you who have seen this movie and know this movie pretty well you know exactly what we're talking about and how dare you for not warning me in advance <laughs> about this but before we get into Nicole's notes let's do our three fast facts about mm-hmm. this movie so, first fact number one: of the four lead actors in this movie playing ethnic Chinese people, 
there's only one that's actually Chinese, and she's actually half Chinese. Mm-hmm. It's Nancy Kwan, um, and uh, she is actually biracial, but everybody else is uh, Japanese. And so that um, has actually interestingly led to uh, a lot of controversy from some people that they did not like that. I, I understand. Um, at the same point, you know, it's not the most offensive part of this movie. Right. So I'm okay with it. Uh, number two, um, interestingly enough, several of the original cast um, of the Broadway show uh, are in this movie, including uh, Miyoshi Ukemi. Uh, okay, I'm going to pronounce these. I'm going to butcher these names. Mm-hmm. Uh, Juanita Hall, who plays Madame Liang. Uh, Patrick uh, Aldiarte, who plays Wang Sang. Um, and Jack Su, who plays um, Sammy Fong in this movie. Uh, was actually uh, in a different role entirely when it was on Broadway. Um, and in fact... Who did he play? He played you know? Frankie Wayne. Um, so there you go. Um, and uh, famously, this musical uh, was revived on Broadway in 2002 with a legendarily Asian cast. Um, when I talk about like people that became icons uh, of that community on Broadway, I mean, you've got Leia Salonga, Jose Alana... Tella the Young, uh, Jalen Marcos, I mean, Hoon Lee, everybody, like everybody who now is considered like pillars of the Asian, you know, community in, in New York theater is in that one production, which mm-hmm. uh, sadly bombed, but, you know, that's besides the point. Um, so there you go. Fast fact number three. Here it goes. This movie actually ended up being nominated for five Academy Awards. <laughs> no. Yeah. How? I don't know. So, <laughs> best art direction for set decoration, okay. which is understandable because okay. practically the entire movie is filmed inside, right. including those extraordinary um, street sequences mm-hmm. in San Francisco. Best cinematography, okay. It's a okay. pretty it's a pretty shot film, all right, fine. Mm-hmm. Best costume design. Okay. Okay, yeah, I can live with it. Um, best music, so score, best original score. Eh, yeah, that's... Uh-huh. I mean, other than I enjoy being a girl and 100, mir- 100 Million Miracles, there really isn't a memorable song in this, in this. No, and both of those songs sound like other songs that Rodgers and Hammerstein have done. Right, right, exactly. And then the final one was just Best Overall Sound, which, I mean. I mean, sure. Sure. Okay, why not? <laughs> so, um, yeah, it did, not, uh, it, it, it did not do well commercially, um, and it actually wasn't even well received by critics, but yet went on to be nominated for five Academy Awards that year. So, um, yeah, it's weird. I should feel better about this movie, but I don't for reasons that will be obvious to you in just a moment and reasons that might not be obvious to you. But let's get into Nicole's notes. Let's do it. Nicole's notes. <laughs> Is that my theme song That's a little now? jingle. Nicole's notes. <laughs> so, um, for those of you listening, I just write as I watch. Yep. So the notes at the beginning uh, are my literal thoughts as they're happening. Yep. So the first thing I wrote is, seems like they cast actual Asian actors from yes. the opening credits. Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, How refreshing. I know. And uh, I was wondering if the novel that this was based on was close to the plot or like because it just it references that in the beginning and i don't know if you want to talk about that now or well i mean famously it's based on a novel mm-hmm. and um it, the novel is much darker than this musical and you know it's when they started adapting it uh rogers and hammerstein were coming 
off of two bombs, two commercial bombs on Broadway. So they kind of needed a hit. Um, and so they took this novel and kind of lightened a lot of things up. They played up the romantic angle. They cut out some of the darker elements that we'll talk about a little bit later uh, with some of these characters. And that's what we got. And it's it's one of those, like, I, I guess it's a you know good decision. Because, I mean, if you kept those darker elements in, we wouldn't get this at all, I guess. But, but still. at the same time, taking that out, I mean, what makes carousel and oklahoma engaging are is the light and the dark the play together of those things so the fact that those were taken out i think i don't know and this is the second um what's what's what i'm looking for the second uh most recent of the of the roger and harris time movies i mean this came after king and i this came after oklahoma and carousel and all these other movies the only movie that was released after this was the sound of music Mm -hmm. so um, you know, we've already kind of explored some of those darker elements, so mm-hmm. maybe it's a little bit surprising that they didn't include some of these things. But I mean, yeah. some of it's pretty heavy-handed, uh, right? You know, I mean, some of it's pretty heavy, and we'll talk about it when we get to the. But yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. I love the artwork in the beginning, and I yeah. think it did a really nice setting the backstory mm-hmm. and setting the scene for what was coming without having just massive amounts of exposition. We could see May and her father get off the boat mm-hmm. and know exactly what was happening. Yep. Um, yep. So I appreciated that and I thought it was a great way to have that opening score mean something. Yeah. Um, so let's see. <laughs> so in the beginning... When they are emptying the crates and the crates collide in the closed caption, it says man groaning, but it was definitely someone farting. Really? Yes. If you go back and listening to that. I wish I had a time step on that. So the moment that the crates collide. Yes. There's in the subtitles that we had. It on, says man groaning. But it's actually a fart. It's a fart. <laughs> it just, I left. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. Um, so I really like that it started out as a father-daughter story mm-hmm. um, and kind of set their relationship and the tone of that right off from the beginning. Um, so when we get into 100 Million Miracles, though, it sounds exactly to me like Impossible from Cinderella. And I can't unhear the similarities in that score. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if it's just a fact, a, a matter of them having produced and created so much music that they're repeating themselves, or if they borrowed a song that they knew was popular. Yeah. Well, I mean, famously, I mean, a lot of these composers, whether it's on purpose or not, they do tend to sound like themselves. I mean, Alan Menken, right. you know, Proud of Your Boy sounds just like Santa Fe from Newsies. Mm-hmm. I mean, you put them up together. There's sections of that. Same thing when, you know, he did that TV show Gallivant. Mm-hmm. The the title song sounds just like uh, If I Can't Love Her from Beauty and the Beast, just sped mm-hmm. up. Right. Um, who else am I thinking of? Andrew Lloyd Webber famously, right. you know, does that. So I don't know if it's intentional, if it's just like, you know, th- these guys just, they work in melodies well, and that's, so much, I couldn't, you know? I couldn't parse it out as to why that's stuck so much in my head so I I know I'm not trying to point fingers but at the same time there's definitely a similar melody Um, 
I loved that there were so many Asian people for a 1961 movie. Yeah, so Like, that's... in that opening street scene, yeah. I was looking to find a white person. Can't and find them. I couldn't. And Very it was rare. It was pretty darn cool. Yeah. Yeah, they did, I think they did an awesome job of, of getting actors, um, extras, small bits, you know, the, having a policeman walk by who happens to be Asian, um, things like that uh, were, were awesome. And obviously you didn't see a lot of that back then, and you didn't see a lot of it after this movie came out. In fact, there's only been in the past since Flower Drum Song uh, two movies, two Hollywood studio films, with all Asian casts. The one was called The Joy Luck Club that came out in 1993. And then we didn't get another one until Crazy Rich Asians. <laughs> so it's like, and now thankfully we're getting a whole bunch more, which is great. Yeah. But that just shows you like, oh my God, like it took, you know, 30, 30 years for this to happen. So um, yes, I love the fact that you see so many Asian faces um, in the crowds as extras, background artists, the whole nine yards. It's, it's awesome. Um, I'd like to introduce a new section called is this white gaze? Because <laughs> I wrote that like six times in my notes. Mm-hmm. So songs like Fanny, mm-hmm. were they actually performed in real clubs? Was this a, like, a, a cabaret-esque, you know, tongue-in-cheek thing? Or is this just the white gaze, the white male gaze, putting this on an Asian club performer? I mean, I'm going to assume that in San Francisco in the 1950s and 60s, there probably were cabaret-style dinner dinner clubs with Asian themes. I'm going to assume. I don't know that for a fact. We see a lot of it, but I, I do see, this is like a Hollywood trope. Right. You know, we see it later on with Indiana Jones in the last crusade like it opens up with an asian dinner club like number so if it wasn't like a asian club i'm sure there were motifs in dinner club shows left and right during that time especially in california Mm -hmm. um but that's interesting yeah no it's it's very interesting i you know a lot of the score is kind of like on the nose like oh they're asian so let's have them sing this fun asian kind of song well and that's just why I, i was wondering because a lot of the music and songs that were popular then were popular. The styles were popular around the world. It wasn't right. just in America. So the fact that they had an Asian woman singing a song about being an Asian woman just, I don't know, yeah, struck me. But that's okay. Actually, and, and the funny part is it's a white woman actually singing the words. So I know. Go, so... <laughs> um, so I really also enjoyed the immigrant aspect of this story mm-hmm. to start. I mean, that will come back and kick us in the behind at the end of the movie. But I thought it was great that we're starting off with this immigrant immigrant story and they are seeing all of the different aspects of American life. Right. Um, immediately. So Juanita Hill... I like her a lot. Mm-hmm. She, she was, has a beautiful voice. She was a great actress. She Absolutely. is a yeah, great actress. But should she have been cast in South Pacific? Or this? Question? No. Should she have been cast in this? Question? No. She's an African-American woman uh, who happened to just be able to pass for Asian. 
famously was first cast in South Pacific as Bloody Mary, where she sang Happy Talk, which is probably one of the most insulting numbers you know, ever, ever composed, you know, in a, in a musical um, <laughs> about Asians. Um, and then, obviously, with the relationship to Roger Hammerstein, she got cast in this, in the played the role on Broadway and played the role in the film. Um, you're, yes, I mean, it, it's, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, if I didn't know she was African-American, I probably wouldn't be able to tell. Mm-hmm. But knowing that, it's like, yeah, she pro- if they did this again... And now, obviously, well, especially they because obviously they took pains to make the cast. I mean, the way they made, like they yeah. they took pains to represent in their casting. Yeah, and not to take work away from Juanita Hill because again, she is a good singer. She mm-hmm. is a great actress, but it just made me, you know, question. Yeah. Really? Yeah, probably. I mean, the role wouldn't be cast that way today, so... No. Um, How old are the old men? Because they look the same age as the young men with gray beards. (laughs) They're actually in their 40s, which I thought was hilarious. They're being portrayed as being, like, probably 50s and 60s with gray hair and, you know, full man... Now, I'm 36, and they looked younger than me. So that that is about right. (laughs) It's about right. That's about right. But, yeah, no, they were definitely being portrayed as older. Uh, The gray hair effect on... Uh, some of them is just laughable, to be quite honest with you. Yes. So, um, so the other generation song, mm-hmm. the choreography leaves so much to be desired. It is not organic at all. It is not fun to watch until San does his solo. I feel like that's going to be a running theme throughout this entire yes, movie. Yes, it is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I just, it really, really irked me because you have stuff that is so disjointed and does not flow well. And then you have this solo that is filled with energy and life and excitement. Mm-hmm. And then it goes back to blah, 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 blah. <laughs> right. Um, let me see. Oh, I don't love that they treat May. So like they look her over like she's a car. Yeah. When she first gets there. Mm-hmm. The fact that she keeps opening her mouth for them to check her teeth. Like it's just it's really upsetting. Mm. It's really really upsetting and all of the racial inequity aside, just the fact that so few years ago women were treated like literal property is just so upsetting to me. Well, this is one of the few... And that she just offers herself up for it. Right. Well, I mean, she's been brought up that way. I know. Right? And it makes me crazy. Well, I think... I know. It's, this is one of the few Rodgers and Hammerstein movies um, other than, you know, State Fair and... Um, yeah, I mean, that's off the top of my head. I'm trying to think. Um, where the, the actual, like, it's taking place in the time that right. they, they wrote it for. So yeah. they, they wrote Flower Drum Song to take place exactly the year that it's it's set in, and um, w- which was that time. It's not a period piece. Right. And so I wonder sometimes, like, did they include that in there to truthfully depict how arranged marriages work in Chinese culture in San Francisco? Or is it them assuming that's how it, it was? Right. Is, or is it, um, you know, a statement of how it's wrong 
to do that? I mean, I don't know. I couldn't read it. Like, couldn't, yeah, you can't really there read There was it. no condemnation of it. Right. So I don't see how there could be a statement that it's wrong. Mm-hmm. I think it's either a sad truth or it, it is it white gays? Right. <laughs> There you go. That's a good question. That's a good question. Um, Linda, and this will be a trend, mm-hmm. is wearing heels in bed. Really? She is always wearing heels in bed. And this will come up several more times. Mm-hmm. But, I, like, don't get me wrong. Linda has amazing legs. Right. She has beautiful feet. For Dance feet. Like, really lovely turnout. Articulation in her ankles. Show off those legs. Mm-hmm. But why do you got to be wearing heels in bed? I don't get it. Again, maybe that's just the, the thing. I don't know. Um, I enjoy being a girl. Was it written for this show specifically? It seems like it was thrown in. Yeah, I agree. It's and- catchy, but I mean, Linda could have been singing so many other things that were more specific to her character. She actually has kind of dynamic and exciting things that she's doing with... You know, her relationships and feeling conflicted about her job and all of these other things to go with her character. None of that was explored. It was, I want to dress up and feel pretty. And it feels like they took that. <laughs> and, well, and I'm just saying for Rodgers and Hammerstein, yeah. they actually do explore those things with their characters in other shows. Mm-hmm. They actually have introspective songs. And for their female characters, too. I mean, just think of Julie. Right. You know, like it's not all like I feel like they've really got just these flat leftover songs Mm -hmm. for this show. Um, So a note on my other Linda can rock a beveled leg. She has great rotation from the hip and, and ankle flexion. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> Sorry. Well, Nancy Kwan was a trained dancer. Um, no, you can tell. Yeah. I mean, so. and like in the choreography, the, the limited choreography for that section, just like you can see she has really beautiful hip, natural hip rotation and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Not that anybody cares about that, but <laughs> well, I you, care you about probably, that. There are probably dance <laughs> <laughs> dancers listening to this, choreographers listening to this, dance teachers listening to this. Well, and so. you know, so dance teachers and choreographers, you know, if you give someone just, can you bevel your foot, tuck it in at the ankle, you know someone is going to throw a sickled foot in there and you're going to cry a little on the inside. There was not a sickled foot to be seen in any of her dancing, and it was really lovely. Even though it was all very simple, That was it was lovely to watch. Mm. Um, so a note that she says that really struck me is she says her goal is to just be successful in her gender. Hmm. What does that mean? How can you just be successful in your gender? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, is she saying she just wants to marry and have children? Is she saying she just wants to be wanted as a woman because she is putting herself out there as this nightclub performer? I don't know. Right, right. But it just Hmm. struck me as a very strange thing to say and that there could have been more thoughtful ways of saying it, whatever that was. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, So there are a couple instances where the characters refer to themselves as oriental. At the time, in the 50s and 60s, did the Asian population in America refer to themselves as Oriental? Or yes. is that another misnomer? No, that, that was true. 
that was true. I mean, Oriental, to refer to someone as Oriental really hasn't, um, at least in my mind, I, I could be completely wrong about this, but really hasn't uh, become kind of an offensive term up until like 30 years ago. So okay. like, it really, it's not, <laughs> it's Is not like the other. Is <laughs> no, no. Let me put it this way. It's not like some other slurs that are in this, this movie. So <laughs> yeah, we'll put it that way. there yet. But um, yeah, no, it, it's not, it's not known as this offensive word just yet. So, so similar note, I really wanted more depth to May's character. Mm-hmm. She made it to America as a stowaway on a boat. She was going hungry. They had no money. She got off that boat and said, Dad, we're going to fix this. I'm going to put on a show and play my flower drum. And she has more guts and is tougher and has so much more depth to her character than we ever get to see. It's like as soon as she steps off that boat, she becomes a flat character. And I really wish that we had gotten to know the May that was who she was before she got on that boat and what she's really thinking internally because suddenly she just becomes a pawn in this little system that they have set up and we don't learn anything about her. Right, right. And, like, that's the stuff that I'm wondering, was that in the book? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's a good question. Like, that depth of character because obviously there's something to her and we just never get to see it. Mm -hmm. Um was San Francisco truly a completely insular community? That's a good question. I mean, the the weird part about this movie is, first of all, it comes out in 1961. And what people need to remember is that 15 years prior... I was going to say... Those folks were in internment camps. and. Right. That's the that's the uncomfortable thing about watching this movie is, and for those of you listening, I mean, let's let's put it into today's standards. So if today is twenty twenty one, that means these folks were imprisoned in two thousand between two thousand four and two thousand six, relatively. Mm-hmm. And so, here we are, a decade and a half later, making a movie with them, and horrifyingly finding out that a lot of the actors in the movie were actually in internment mm-hmm. camps. The woman who plays Helen was in an internment camp. Um, so with San Francisco, I think, yeah, it's, it's, you're capturing, I think when this movie comes out, you're capturing San Francisco at a very interesting time because it is, I think it is insular within the Chinatown region. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this is also right, right around the time you get Vertigo, which really showcases San Francisco as this like, beautiful, you know, landscape city and mm-hmm. sweeping, you know, visuals. Um, it's an interesting thing to, to think about, about that, about how that city well, has evolved. I was evolved. just thinking yeah. about May and her father. And if you're truly coming from another country, it would make, it had to have made the transition to America so much easier to come into a new country that still felt like your culture, mm-hmm. even mm-hmm. though it looks different and sounds different. And so much of the population has Americanisms. It had to be a welcoming feeling. Right. And again, this is just me dying to have more from May. <laughs> dying to have more from that character. Um so, what was that about? Oh my goodness. What? 
I wrote, what are the boob puffs for? Do they show a dress with, oh, yes, yes, in the dress that they give May to wear, there are these strange puffs in the chest. Interesting. I didn't catch on to that. And I mean, maybe they were meant as like a push-up or an enhancement. Maybe. Built into the dress. Right, right. But it just struck me as a little funny looking. Interesting. Um, Okay, so choreography. The choreographer was great with pop and jazz dance styles, but everything else is so just meh. Well, let's, like, let's save that for when we rate the, the dancing and design. And all I that know, stuff, but, but this ties into Chop Suey. Oh, okay. Good to know. So Good to know. as soon as they did the Charleston in Chop Suey, everything comes to life. Mm-hmm. Before that, everything is just so, again, flat and has no depth to it. Um, and it's just like, I feel like until they got into... Um, really colloquial movement Mm -hmm. it was just really kind of boring to watch um it was really cool to see asian americans in lots of different social positions soldiers sailors police officers people at the bank all that stuff it was it was really nice to see Mm -hmm. just putting that out there yeah love it love it love loving the representation um i thought it was a really missed opportunity to have so little dancing in the parade. Like, they could have music manned this thing up. I felt like watching that parade sequence, like, half of it was on the soundstage and half of it was, like, filmed live at, yes. a, at a parade. It just, it was so disjointed. Yeah. And um, I thought there was a very strange musical choice in the parade. What did they play? What march was it? Do you <laughs> like remember? Red, White, and Blue. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was, like, Philip John Sousa, like, or whatever his name was. Um... It was weird. Well, and like the Grant Avenue dancing would have been so much better if everyone in the parade was doing it. Mm-hmm. And not all of it was so complicated that you couldn't teach everyone to do it. Mm-hmm. Pivot turns. Woohoo! I love a pivot turn. Right. There could It could have just been so much more engaging. Um, so I was just, it stood out to me, how hard was it to get this movie made sandwiched between three wars with Asian countries. World War II and Korea were right before this. Mm-hmm. Vietnam was right after it. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it had to just have been really hard for everyone involved, for the actors, the directors, yeah. the people who had to finance it. Like, I just, I feel like the sentiment across, I mean, again, and thinking about the internment camps, everything had to be very challenging emotionally. and. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, what's interesting is, like, not a lot of um, information is known about how this movie did financially. Like, you know, no one can really find out, like, did they lose money? Did they make money? Like, did they break even? Like, where, how well was this movie received by American audiences? And um, it's very unclear. It's very unclear. And I think, to your point, I think that's the fact that this is sandwiched between so much you know, conflict with Asian countries, with, you know, that this country's had, which, by the way, like, a lot of people out there, you know, you know, the reason I wanted to pick this movie was, you know, with this, this anti-Asian sentiment that we're seeing a lot in society today with mm-hmm. violence against Asians and it's things like that. It's not new, unfortunately. It's not new. And that's the problem, you know, uh, you know, President Biden himself said, you know, this is not America, 
but it kind of is. Yeah. And, you know, when we look at the history of how this country, dating back to like the 1800s, of how they've treated Asian immigrants um, and Asian people, mm-hmm. it's been awful. So mm-hmm. um, I get it, and and probably that's why we haven't seen a lot of these these all Asian casts. Um, but thankfully, that's changing, yes. uh, which is great. But yeah, it's I I think you have a point there of like you know it's how was how did you know small town America feel about this movie as opposed to carousel as opposed right. to oklahoma as opposed to sound of music which comes out four years later right so it's a good point well and i just i want to throw out there that i'm just very grateful for our son that i feel like on the other end of this even though adult fair has been very slow going to mm-hmm. engage the asian american community in creating movies and content i feel like it's the opposite for kids he has had a lot of of opportunities to see the Asian community in cartoons and movies and things like that. Yep. And it's only growing. Mm-hmm. And that's so, it's so heartening that he can see himself and he can see our family reflected in that. Totally. You're gonna, Stop it. You're gonna I'm going to get a little emotional. <laughs> <laughs> it just, it makes me feel really good for him that he can see that. And I know you didn't grow up with that. No, I didn't. But it makes you makes you happy for a son. It does. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny. As soon as you you brought up Sam, our son, I said to myself, <laughs> she's gonna start crying. I'm, was... I'm just like one tear, one tear. <laughs> well, you've also had some wine, so I that have. that loosens up the emotions. I know. Um, what else do you have? So, a really, I I'm, I think this was supposed to be. A joke, but it just was terrible. The Ellen Go Blah. Did you hear that? No, I didn't catch that. So when they were doing the women from all over Europe, oh yeah, and yeah, the yeah. Irish mm-hmm. woman. Oh god. They said Ellen Go Blah instead of Aaron Go Bra. Ugh. And yeah. I was like, really? Well, that whole song is awful. The whole song is terrible. Like he's not even singing. He's like. These girls, blah blah blah. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's it's awful. It's yes. an awful tune. You yes. know, if, if we still were doing the segment of what would you cut out of this movie, I'd say cut that whole sequence out. Because well, it, and like I'm wondering if they were aiming for a uh, a beautiful girls sequence from Singing in the Rain, maybe, and just fell so far. Right. It's just it's awful. But either, as soon as they said that line, I was like, really? Right. We're picking that. Um, The cough joke with Ta's father just Mm -hmm. doesn't play well. Like, I know they were trying to show just an uncomfortable old man, Mm -hmm. but I just, I feel like they could have done that in a better way. Yeah, it never really works out. Um, It was really nice to see, all right, this is going to sound horrible, but the New Year's drunks as festive and normal young people just having a good time instead of a stereotype. Hmm, okay. I was like, hey, I know those guys. Those are college guys getting drunk on New Year's Eve, and it wasn't some gutting Asian stereotype. Right. It was nice to see. Yeah. Um, Helen has a really beautiful voice. Is it her singing? I have to, because I really enjoyed listening to her sing. Uh, no. <gasps> <laughs> Sorry, uh, it's her dancing. It's really her dancing, right. but 
but not her singing. <laughs> Sorry. Ta is really handsome. I just need to put that out there. I know you. I know how much you like Ta. Yeah. Um, I can see why all of the female characters like him, but he's also pretty just kind of blah. Like, he's very one note. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the Sid Cherie singing in the rain moment, but with Helen, where was this choreography earlier and why don't they use Helen more? Like, I love right. her character. I like her storyline. But again, just like the other two female characters, why didn't they dig a little deeper? Well, in the book, she kills herself. I know that. But, like, we... It's kind of alluded to that that's what she does in this film, too. Mm-hmm. She's out on... She steps out of her window to the side of the building, and then all of a sudden she's in a dream sequence where she's being attacked by all of these figures. Like... Right. They kind of allude she's going to some dark place or she's going to hurt herself, but we never like really get there. No. And and that's I think a big criticism of the film is that they never resolve her storyline. No, and, and she's so engaging. She's the right. most engaging character in this whole movie. Right, right. Um. So do you know? Like, I love her dancing. I love that whole sequence. Mm-hmm. Are any of the masked men actually Ta dancing? The character who, the guy who plays Ta. Couldn't tell you. Because he's there for like a second. I don't think he is. I don't think he's dead. He, well, when I read his bio, he never, it doesn't mention anything about dancing. Dancing, no. All right. So they foleyed in the footsteps of the male dancers. Mm hmm. It made no sense to me why they would do that. Yeah, that's weird. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, unless they were going like waffling between this being a sad ballet and a snappy tap dance i don't know who knows (laughs) or maybe they forgot to take the footsteps out Mm -hmm. i don't know it just didn't make any sense to me um i love the effect with the slide and yeah at the end that's 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 a really cool shot so cool especially the angle that they filmed that because it doesn't make her look like she's going down a slide it makes it look like she's going up in a way. And yeah. No, it makes... So. She's pu- being pulled away. Yeah. It's such a cool feature. So I can see why some of the... Why some of the art direction and stuff, or the awards that they received with mm-hmm. that, that makes total sense to me. Um, all right. Why was May at Helen's place? Did they just put her there for the reason... Uh, was the reason that she was there real, or was it really just to have her see that Ta was there? I think they just needed to create a reason for her to see the tops there because like it because she comes over and just it's like she's just bringing over a coat that needs repair right but yeah they i think they just invented a reason for her to be there yeah no it just seems like such a throwaway Mm -hmm. and where there could have actually been real conflict (laughs) there wasn't any and it was frustrating um what's with the tiger bone wine no idea is it i'm assuming it's a I guess it's a thing. thing. I guess it's a thing. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Uh, is it a brand? I have lots of questions about Tiger Bone (laughs) wine. (laughs) Unsolved. Unsolved. Okay. Um, Ta has a nice voice too. Mm -hmm. Um, also dubbed. (sighs) Not him singing. Seriously? All right. Sammy says his mom's going to cut him off without so much as a fried noodle. White gaze comment. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Oh, I love it. I love it. Um, so I have a bone to pick with Linda. Mm-hmm. 
So after Sammy really hurts her. Well, I'm sorry. No, James Shigata, who plays Todd, that's him singing. Oh, okay, good. Yeah. Okay. So, Linda. Mm-hmm. Sammy ruins your reputation. He ruins your image. He hurts you in front of your fiance's family. Makes you feel bad about yourself. You're just going to go right back to him because he proposes. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe that does resolve my gender comment that she really does just want to get married right. and have children. But I, it was so upsetting to see a woman who actually seemed very in control of her own destiny mm-hmm. in the beginning of this movie just flip like that. It right. was really frustrating. Right. Um, when they begin their Sunday at home sequence, they are both sleeping in their shoes. <laughs> she is sleeping in her high heels again. <laughs> um, my next note is, what is happening? <laughs> There is a butler on roller skates. There is a shootout in the living room. Uh, there is a crouchy book reading couple that is slowly creeping through all the scenes. Um, like, don't get me wrong, it was fun to watch. Mm-hmm. The costumes were great. I loved the colors. It was very kitschy 60s. Like, it was a lot of fun to watch. But it w- it didn't make much sense. And again, the Sunday at home song just seems like such a throwaway. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I feel like the only song in here that seems like it was written for a character was Helen's song. Everything else just seems like such throwaway nonsense. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, then we get to the so many twists and turns. Sammy's mom setting him up with May. And then... Just causing all of this unnecessary conflict. That is about the point where you were like, wait, what? <laughs> I wrote Chris is confused. <laughs> so confused. So confused. Okay. And now here we come to the part where Chris rewound six times. Because I couldn't believe what I just heard. Okay. So let's, let's explain. Yes. And, and we're not going to say the word on Mm-mm. this podcast. But towards the end of this movie. Um, May is watching a television show, which is a Western, which features a Mexican woman talking about her coming into this country. And she uses what is now known as a incredibly offensive slur, incredibly offensive slur about what of of Mexican immigrants. Mm -hmm. Here's the this is what. So I heard it and I was I almost spit my drink because I was Mm -hmm. like, what did she just say? Here's the problem with this entire end of this movie. They go on to say the word six times. And that word is like the central like theme that resolves the whole movie. It resolves the entire plot. It's like they say the word, oh, you're that? Okay, never mind. This marriage can't happen. End of movie. Credits. This could have been handled so much better. There could have, this could have been a really thoughtful way to end this movie. May, as an immigrant, could have seen a character on TV. She could have connected with this new American thing. Mm -hmm. This exposure to loving TV that she and her dad were just talking about. She could have connected to this character and used that experience to guide her way through. And instead, they just have her repeating a slur. It's, It's 
bad. And I had to go back and look up like the history of this word and, and when it became kind of known as a slur. And the funny thing is it's always been considered an offensive term. Like it's never, you know, when, when, when people, you know, called Mexican immigrants that it was never like out of affection, you know, right. It wasn't like, Hey, that Chinese person or that Japanese mm-hmm. person. It, it was like, no, it was, it was. Well, always... they, and they say the character in the movie that May sees and herself talk about crossing the water, mm-hmm. both of them explicitly. Right. And to get to America. And I just, there, there could have been so much more positivity in the ending of this story right. with that connection. But instead, and... the movie ends with, by the way, like the second to last lines in this movie are, you know, slurs. And you and I are just sitting there with our mouths on the floor. Right. And then credits. Movie's over. And since it's, you know, 1950s or 1960s, um, all the credits are in the beginning of the movie. So it's the That's end. It. And then the movie stops. And we're just like, oh, my God. So, obviously, it's it's terrible. The, you know, it's not, it's, this isn't one of those, like, debatable, like, oh, Chris, are you guys just being politically correct again? No, no. No. This is the worst thing you can possibly call a Mexican immigrant. Like, this is the worst ethnic slur you can call someone of Mexican descent who is, you know, immigrated to this country at all. I mean, it's just awful. So, And even just the play on, oh, May doesn't understand that this is a bad thing to say. Right. And it, everyone at the wedding is shocked that she says it. No, they're not shocked that she says it. They're shocked that she was smart enough to use that mm-hmm. as a way to get out of her wedding. Yeah. So, and it's just... They, it just it puts a terrible ending... Um, to a mediocre movie. To a mediocre movie at best. So that 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 be that. Um, and this is this is interesting. You know, a lot of people when you know Disney Plus started putting their their disclaimers at the beginning of their movies, mm-hmm. uh, which I agreed with because there oh, are I some, love it. You know, there's certain movies that that have not aged well. Um, there was no. This was on Amazon Prime, by the way. Mm-hmm. We watched this on Amazon Prime, and there was no disclaimer at the beginning of this movie saying. This contains scenes that you know could be considered now offensive, so we had we had no forewarning that this was coming. No, and honestly, like again, going back to watching movies with our son, he's almost seven now. He understands when you're saying something mean about another person. He understands the basic words that can hurt someone's feelings. But like we were watching Peter Pan the other day, and the warning came up in the beginning. And if anything, as a parent, it reminded me to tell him, hey, buddy, there are some things in this movie that we're not going to repeat because they would be hurtful if we said it to another person. Mm -hmm. And then when the scenes with all of, you know, the Native Americans came up, we were I was able to mention to him, hey, this is the part that I told you about. Do you see how? Showing someone like this might hurt their feelings, might make them feel bad, might, you know, make someone misunderstand what their culture is like. And kudos to his teachers because they've been doing a great job teaching about the real indigenous cultures in our country. Mm -hmm. But not having that in this movie, I mean, this is the type of movie that honestly we would have put on for him. 
Mm-hmm. We watch musicals together as a family. We watch Singing in the Rain. We wa- I mean, and to not see that coming is not good for what was this? Is this a G or a PG movie? I mean, I don't, yeah, it's it's before ratings. So I think it's probably considered a G movie. Yeah. Which, I mean, if anything, doesn't even set you up for a conversation to help guide your children through viewing this. And this, for the most part, is a pretty easy watch. So it, it was it was upsetting. Yeah. On yeah. lots of levels. Well, let's get into rating. <laughs> With that said, let's get into rating this movie on its singing, the dancing, the acting, and the design. So singing-wise, Nicole, 1 through 10, what did you give this movie? I gave it a six. Now, unfortunately, that was before knowing that only one person that I had hoped was singing was actually singing. Right. Because um, I thought some of the singing was really good. Mm-hmm. Some of it was not real singing at all. Nope. Um, so it left me at about a six. But knowing that so much of it wasn't done by the actual actors, I'm going to put it at like five yeah it's like it's it's highs and lows very highs and lows on this yeah so i agree um i also gave it a five Mm -hmm. to be quite honest with you so um how about the dancing um this was a so usually i may in the past have been guilty of giving tens for dancing pretty much across the board this I had to give a six mm, because wow. I felt like the choreographer was miscast. Mm-hmm. He had an obvious group of talented performers, and I finished my wine, and you can tell now. Yeah, <laughs> I just heard it in my voice. <laughs> he has a, a talented group of performers, and he really didn't use them. Mm-hmm. To their full talents. Right. he And I could see where he really shined in, again, that real current jazz, like current for the 60s jazz movement. Awesome. Fantastic. Engaging. I loved watching it. But what about the rest of the movie? Right. That's you know, point. so I gave it a six. Me, me too. It just isn't, it, it just isn't great. It just, no. You know, and, and again, the moments that he shined were really fantastic. Right. But... Yeah. Well, it's just, it's one of those things where it's like you have such a, um, what's the word I'm looking for? You know, rich uh, history of amazing choreography in some of these movies. I mean, Carousel has some great choreography. Mm-hmm. Oklahoma has some great choreography. And then you just don't get it in this movie. And the th- Well, honestly, he's been given the gift of a backlot. Right. He's been given the gift of a parade. Mm-hmm. Like, all of these things that were in... He's been given the gift of a club. Like, all of these things that a choreographer can use, these open dance spaces, and you were given the gift of several trained dancers. Right. There's no reason why he couldn't have engaged that more. Well, the choreographer was a a choreographer by the name of Hermes Pan, who also choreographed the movies of uh, Kiss Me Kate. Uh, which is actually very good choreography. Mm-hmm. Movie. Well, but that's all jazz. That's current jazz movement. Right, right. He also did um, a lot of Fred Astaire stuff. Uh, Pal Joey, which is another good one. Oh, my one. goodness. Well, and again, so then you can see where he shines. Yeah. Also did, also did My Fair Lady, which I have to go back and look. Is there any choreography in that movie? 
it's very limited. Yeah. So. But I mean, you can see where his gifts are, mm-hmm. and I just wish that would have been carried through. This could have been filled with jazz choreography. There's really no reason why it couldn't have been. Right. Right. I agree. I agree. So. All right. How about the acting in this movie? Um, this is going to sound terrible. Oh. But I was so disappointed that I didn't even give it a rating. Whoa. <laughs> now. I feel like so much was taken away from the female characters that they just became cardboard cutouts. Mm-hmm. And so I don't even know if they could act. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. I I I gave it a 6. Like some of it's good, some of it's bad. It's just yeah, you don't you don't really get it. there's I didn't walk away from this being like, oh my god, there's like just incredible performance by that one person. It's just, it's okay. Mm-hmm. It's all right. So, all right. How about design? Uh, I give that a six as well. Mm-hmm. It was fun. It was bright. But I also felt like it was a bit of a mishmash. Like, I do you know who the designer was? Uh, no. Because part of me was thinking... They have some great, fun, contemporary sets. Like, the Sunday uh, set was really fun to watch. Mm-hmm. I love... Set decoration by uh, Howard Bristol, uh, who actually did uh, a lot of um, of uh, Hitchcock films, actually. He was the interior decorator for Rebecca, which is one of my favorite movies. Of so time, maybe so. that's why the outdoor San Francisco scenes... I felt like we're really engaging and well done. Mm-hmm. But I felt like all of the indoor stuff, they were saying, this looks like a Chinese house to me. Right. I'm going to put all this stuff in it. And it didn't seem like a real home. Mm-hmm. You know? And I don't know if I'm, again, just reading too much into it, but it didn't strike me as... Whereas I thought... Nancy and Sammy's, not Nancy, Linda. Linda and Sammy's kind of pretend dream house had little bits of their characters and seemed authentic to them. All of the other homes seemed like these affected, this is what I think an Asian home would look like. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it didn't seem real to me. So, Interesting. Interesting. What did you give it? I, I gave it an eight. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, I think for the time, I mean, um, he also did the designer, Howard Bristol also did the design for um, Guys and Dolls. Mm-hmm. So he kind of had that experience of doing these like street scenes on sound stages. Well, the, the backstage at the club, the street scenes, all of that was right. great. Mm-hmm. That worked really well. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So um, good stuff. Well, how about the awards? Get into our awards. Best singing. Get, who gets your Julie award for this? Well, it was Helen. But Helen's not Helen. Who sings Helen's part? So that is... Um, let me pull this up. Hold on. Because I thought her song was really beautiful. Let me, let me, let me pull this up here on our casting list. Um, oh, my God. Where is this? Hold on. Christopher is literally all thumbs. I'm going to edit this all out. <laughs> so Helen... Uh, uh, Played by a, a woman by the name of um, Reiko Sato. Uh, her d- singing was dubbed by a woman by the name of Marilyn Horn. So, white woman. So, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, all right, Marilyn. 
There Me you too. Go. She gets my she gets my Julie. How about the worst singer in this movie? <sighs> Hurts my heart to say this, but dear Sammy Fong. Really? I just thought he was so talky mm. that I didn't get to hear the real tone to his voice. That's a good point. I gave it to Frankie Wynn, the MC of the Oh yeah. Like, girls thing, yeah. So Terrible, 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 terrible. Um, Who gets your bumlet award for this movie? The Masked Dancing Men. (laughs) I thought they were fantastic. They were great partners to Helen. And unfortunately, we never got to see their face. Right. Uh, I gave it to the younger brother who's... Stan. Yes, he was. I was going to give it to him, but I thought because he was in so many scenes, it wouldn't count. Uh, I'm going to count it. I'll make him eligible. Uh, Just because he's like... He's in scenes... But, like, he has, like, one line in these scenes. And you can just tell, like, when you watch him, like, he's revving up to say this one line. And then he has this, like, sequence with with Linda where she comes to the party. He's like, hey, you're the girl that does that song. And they start, like, almost starting a number. And yeah. then, like, they get slapped in the head by his father and stuff like that. It's pretty funny on that end. So, yeah, I give it to him. No, um, I loved his character. Yeah, because his dialogue is so terrible. So there you go. <laughs> his dialogue is terrible, but he's another great dancer. Mm-hmm. He's a great dancer. He is a great dancer. They use him more. All right, last question. Here we go, and this is the big one. Should this movie be remade into a movie, Netflix series, revived on Broadway again? What are your thoughts on Flower Drum Song? Yes, only if there's a rewrite. It compl- so yes like- to a, a film remake. Not a film remake. I would like to see Flower Drum Song, again, maybe on stage. Mm -hmm. Or maybe on Netflix or something. Because I don't want this to just be the dark take. I would maybe really like to see what this book is about. Mm -hmm. What is actually going on in the lives of these characters? Because there's something happening that we didn't get to see. And it really frustrated me. That right. they had all of these talented actresses, and we didn't get to see what they could do. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, but I don't want the ending to be the ending. Like, what was the ending of the book, Christopher? What was the ending? <laughs> I don't know. Of the Guess book? gotta read the book. We'll see. Um, I might need to read the book. Because... Good stuff. Good stuff this week. All right. Well, that's gonna wrap this up, um, folks. You can listen to this podcast and all of our podcasts on the Onstage Blog Podcast Network and onstageblog.com where we have a brand new podcast literally two episodes in. It's called Theater Notes and it's just me. That's all it is. It's me <laughs> oh, no. talking about... Th- I know. It's, <laughs> oh, no. If you can stand my, my, my voice for 30 to 45 minutes straight, uh, then it's a great podcast. But if you can't, then I don't recommend I it mean, for you. I mean, you put our dog to sleep tonight. So. No, she's sleeping <laughs> over in the corner. Uh, but definitely check it out because it's on Spotify and Apple Podcasts just as this podcast is um, as well. But Nicole, yes. thank you so much. I appreciate it. Well, I'm glad you appreciate me. And we'll see you folks right here next week Some on the movie musical Showtime. One day more. No day but today.